1: We're back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870. Mike, to tell you along with Charlie Long, taking you to 8 o'clock tonight. And on our Oakland Hardjula's Talk and Text line, we have Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball. Kendall, thanks so much for joining us tonight.
2: You got it, man. I can't can't wait for the weekend. We're we're finally here. Finally.
1: Kendall, I do not remember, and even I have friends of mine that talked to Skip Bertman about this, and they were like, wow, yeah. uh, LSU, uh, I, I don't know if there's ever been a buildup before a season like it is today uh, for LSU baseball. What Jay Johnson has been able to recruit there from the high school kids to the transfer yeah. portal, what he's got returning, that this team looks like almost has some earmarks of what Tennessee was looked at last year coming into the season. But I had a friend of mine wanted me to ask you, where did you guys have Ole Miss to start the season? Because we saw they were highly ranked, uh, I know, to start the season. Then, man, uh, you talk about hit the skids. And all of a sudden, they come to Baton Rouge and sweep a series, and that set off. A team that was red hot, and it took them to a national championship. But where did you have Ole Miss to start the season last year?
2: Yeah, I mean, we had them as the number one team in college okay. baseball. Okay, I mean that. I mean, they were one of those clubs that you know at the beginning of the year you looked at it on paper, you are like, man, they're going to be really good. You know, they got all these pieces back on the mound. They've got Tim Elko, Kevin Graham, and guys like you know guys like that back offensively. You know, you kind of expected Jacob Gonzalez to make an instant impact, and so. I mean, they were the preseason number one team in the country, yeah. and so, you know, when you look at a, at a club like Ole Miss that, you know, people go, oh, well, you know, it's a Cinderella story. Man, it's far from that. They, <laughs> yeah. they were the number one team in the country for a few weeks during the season, and so they they were just one of those clubs that, you know, went through the doldrums for a while and, uh, you know, by the end of the season, ended up being a national championship caliber club.
1: Yeah, no question about it, and and in- we talked about Charlie, and I were talking about it's getting hot at the right time, isn't it? Uh, because we saw Tennessee, and it's the first time I can remember people down here who, man, they dislike the the head coach, the manager, the Tennessee, everything, and they were pulling for Notre Dame to beat them, you know, which, which did happen um, at that particular point. But it is also about piecing it together late.
2: No, there's no doubt. I mean, I think it. Well, especially when you look at the Southeastern Conference as deep as that league is, I mean, you really cannot get too high or too low in that league, because if you do, uh, I mean, that'll just wear you out. And, and the thing that I've noticed over the last decade or so is, you know, there was a year that Arkansas was ranked, yeah. you know, in at the, at the, the SEC play, it was, you know, eighth place, and they end up getting Omaha and getting in the Final Four. The, the you know the year one of the years that Vanderbilt won the national championship. I think they finished fifth in the Southeastern Conference. They won the national championship. So, you know, it's one of those things. Like if you're an LSU fan, you're thinking, okay, the, you know, you know, seventh national championship is the expectation, but you also don't want to put too much stock in the regular season. Like, yeah, do you want to win the SEC? Sure. But, uh, you know, is it the end of the world if you finish second or third or something like that? Absolutely not. So I think patience is important, especially as this league continues to get deeper and deeper and deeper. And then you add Texas and OU in a couple years, uh, you know, know, fans have to be patient.
0: Kendall, talking about the SEC, I'm looking at y'all's rankings right now. Seven of the top ten teams are from the SEC, four of the top five. I mean, is this as deep of a conference as you've seen? Like, I know the SEC has always been on top of the college baseball world, but comparing the two former years, is this the best the SEC has ever been?
2: I think so. I mean, it's it's kind of funny. I mean, people talk so much about SEC football, but I mean, I would argue SEC baseball is even more better dominant. Because, right? Uh, more dominant across yes, the board. It, well, the, the thing that's crazy is you know I was, I was on an Arkansas radio show a couple of weeks ago, and they were like, "Well, the, you know, we're eighth in the country." The bad news is we're sixth in the SEC. <laughs> <And> so, you <laughs> that's know, you gives you an idea how good this league is. But the thing that's really interesting about the Southeastern Conference is. You know, there for a while it was. You know, the, the the teams dominated all the rankings. Now it's getting to the point where, when you look at the prospect rankings in general, the you know the the, the talent level in this league, you know, it's like the, top, the we were doing our top two, or uh, 2024 top 150 prospects today for the draft in two years, and I mean, I'm telling you, I think like 14 of the top 16 guys were SEC players, so. The problem these other conferences are having, these other regions are having, this is a topic for probably another another radio hit. But I mean, when you look out west, you look at Jaylen Gonzalez at at Ole Miss, you look at some of the kids, uh, you know, like the Romero kid that that, you know going to go to LSU. You know, guys like that, like they're leaving the West Coast to go to the SEC. Why? Because the SEC is considered, you know, the old school NL East and. You know, kids. Kids want to play in those ballparks. Kids want to play with elite, you know, with and against elite talent. And it is a even more so by a hundred yards bigger deal than NIL. The perception of the SEC is really hurting some of these schools around the country, and even hurting the West Coast schools.
0: Kendall you're just talking about that 2024 prospects list one player that was on it was Tommy White which is the transfer from NC State he lit it up as a freshman he's only a sophomore so he's got one more year of eligibility I remember we had you on last year and you were saying that LSU should really make a run at this kid in the transfer portal because when he entered the transfer portal it surprised the college baseball world no one was really expecting it but they did it Jay Johnson got his guy what kind of an impact do you think he makes immediately with this team?
2: I think the biggest thing about Tommy is just his presence. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, when I saw him in the fall against, uh, against the Cajuns, uh, I mean, he just had a kind of an aura about him. I mean, he was obviously a very confident guy, but he's a really team oriented guy. And sometimes, you know, you get star players. And Dylan Craig's the same way, by the way. Yeah. You know, sometimes you get star players, and it's like they don't really mesh well with the culture, they don't mesh well with the team. He absolutely does. And I think the thing about Tommy is. You know, he's just a guy that, like Dylan, uh, is you know offensively just one of those guys that it scares you every time he steps in the box. I mean, he, he's a guy that can go, uh, you know, opposite field uh, for a home run. He can, he's a guy that really, really likes to go between the gaps with his home run balls. Uh, he can pull pitches, and so you know, as a hitter, he can do it all. Uh, the thing that I'll be interested to see is what can he do uh, at the hot corner. You know, if you remember last year with Jacob Berry. Uh, obviously, wasn't the prettiest defense in the world early in the season, but he did get better as the season progressed, and it sounds like Tommy is actually, you know, is, is actually much further along than Jacob Berry was at this point last year. So, I think he's a total package. I mean, is he Dylan Cruz? No, but uh, boy, it's not—it's not a massive step down from Dylan Cruz.
1: Bringing in Wes uh, to handle the pitchers uh, for LSU, I think, is is a big thing. Any time a guy leaves you know, Major League Baseball team to come to college baseball. goes to show you that NIL money is pretty good for the coaches too now Uh, for him to come here to LSU. And everybody's looking for left-handed pitchers, Kendall. I mean, that's that's the thing. Everybody wants them. And so they're in such high demand. But you think the impact, what what Wes is going to do with this pitching staff.
2: Well, I mean it's kind of twofold. I mean, I think from a recruiting standpoint it's a massive gift because I mean if you're L S U, you're sitting here go you're sitting there telling kids like, Hey man, this guy this guy left a team that was on the way to the MLB postseason to come coach here. Like that's how much this school means to him in his eyes. That's how good this program can be. And so from a recruiting standpoint it's a great get. But I think when you look at West and you look at the job that he's done at every single stop of the road, you look at what he did at Arkansas. You look at what he did, uh, you know, at Mississippi State. He gets the most out of his arms, and he's a guy that is going to have big velocity uh, arms. And, and granted, Mississippi State fans will criticize him because they did have a rash of injuries under West. But I mean, you know, he's a guy that has proven results, and he's an even better person. So it's it's really, I mean, it's a perfect fit for that program, and it's certainly a, it was certainly a big gift for uh, Jay from a perception standpoint.
0: Yeah, Kendall, talking about the pitching staff, it's just been a complete overhaul from what we saw last year. I think after they lost to Southern Miss in that regional, Jay Johnson's comments were very clear, we're not going to have to deal with this again. So he goes out in the transfer portal and he gets guys like Paul Skeens and Thatcher Hurd, and then he gets these these great freshmen as well. If you look at the rotation that he set for this weekend against Western Michigan, Skeens is a new pitcher, and then Chase Short is on Sunday is a new pitcher as well as the freshman that can apparently throw 99 miles per hour. So I want to talk. I want you to talk a little bit about the additions that he made on that pitching rotation, uh, not just Wes Johnson as the coach, but the players that he went out and got in the transfer portal and recruiting.
1: Other thing to Kendall, uh, has anybody in the SEC? I'm maybe better off asking this way across the country that has more depth than LSU. Uh,
2: depth, no. I mean, the crazy thing, and I think with, with Grant Taylor, I think they were by far the best pitching staff overall in the country. Uh, without him, they, they kind of take a hit because, I mean, honestly, he was the best arm I saw in the fall. But, you know, the the, the thing about LSU and the thing about Jay is, like, he's willing to, to to kind of take some gambles early on. Like, he knows he has an elite offense, so he can look at his rotation this weekend and go, you know what? We'll throw a Chase Jordan there, who, by the way, when I saw him, it was 95, you know, 96 with, like, a wipeout slider, obviously a big frame. but. You no, know, we can put a, a freshman in the rotation. You know what? Riley Cooper's had a really nice start to the spring. We can put him in the recon rotation. And because of our offense, hey, if, if one of those two guys falters, uh, we have the offense to kind of back them up. So I think the fact that they're able to use those guys in the weekend like they are tells you how much depth they have. I do think there's some there's some toying around that Jay's doing. You know, if you look at, you know, a, a couple of Tuesdays from now, they're going to play Texas. Uh, and I think, you know, he probably he's probably looking at Christian Little or Thatcher Hurd to start that game there in Austin. But uh, there's no doubt. I mean, when you look at Chase Short, Riley Cooper, uh, Christian Little, uh, Thatcher Hurd, uh, Ty Floyd, Paul Skeens, I mean, that that's as good as it gets in college baseball. And so what's crazy is I think Grant Taylor would have made that just like that would have been like icing on the cake for me. But it's still a very, very good pitching stuff.
1: Kendall, is there a team out there, maybe I consider it in the top five or six, that you say, well, uh, man, that was tough not to put them in that top five. I think they could make a run at this and, and and be a major player if they can get to Omaha.
2: Yeah, there's no doubt in terms of outside the top five. You know, we we put uh, Texas A&M at, I think, six, uh, six or seven. And they're a team that I could easily see, you know, playing and potentially winning a national championship. I think when you look at teams around the country – um, that ha have, have that pedigree you 're really looking at teams that are older uh, teams that have been there before, and if you look at their club last year um you know they they you know they, they bring back i think what seven or eight guys from the starting lineup from last yeah. year's Omaha team that finish in the final four, they bring back two of the three weekend starters uh, who pitched in omaha they're they're back this year they got their closer. Who pitched, or one of their closers who pitched in Omaha last year, back for another year. So I just look at those guys as one of those teams that, you know, when you, when you think of college baseball, you think of old experience that bats, innings pitched, and they have a lot of that on their team this year.
1: Your valuation of Dylan Cruz, if you, okay, if you would describe him to somebody that hasn't watched him uh, play, what would be uh, your description of Dylan?
2: Uh, I would say like that's exactly what I want him to look like. Um, you know, I would. I know this sounds kind of insane, but like I actually feel like he's a he's a better overall player right now than Alex was when he was at LSU. I, I, you know, if you remember with Alex, I mean, he had some moments in his LSU career where I mean there were some dips, there were some peaks and valleys in his career, and I remember, you know, one of his one of his years is kind of the early parts of social media. Now, I remember during like the middle of his year, I mean I think they I think he got to a point where like he didn't do interviews for like a week. He wasn't a, he like took himself off social media. And so there was a point in Alex Bregman's career at LSU where like he got to that level. And Dylan Cruz just is a guy that has not gotten to a level of be, of peaks and valleys like it has been peaks for him and you know knock on wood and that's not to say that it can't happen this year, but I just look at him, you know, he to me um, he, he just, ha- he kind of has that Bregman kind of just, you know, hard nosed gritty baseball player look to him and he's cut down in the swings and misses. He could, he would probably still say he could be better, but you're talking about a guy with, with plus power, just a plus hit tool, a plus approach. Uh, he's a really good defender. And, you know, I, I, I feel like this, as- this aspect of a player is like very overrated, but I think when you look at him overall, just in his persona, like he is a guy that goes out there uh, in every at bat, and he looks like you're—he he looks like a big leaguer. Like he—he he does not look like he's scared. He looks like he's totally in the moment, and it, it's hard—it's hard to to wire people like that. You know, it's kind of one of those things. Like either you got it or you don't, and he's got a lot of it.
1: One of the things I pick up when I hear coaches talk because I think they tell you yeah. the truth most of the time, and and we've had Jay Johnson on here numerous times. And we've asked him about other teams in the SEC, and you know, and he's talked and thrown out the credits to the Mississippi States and Ole Misses and Tennessees and Florida's of the world, and Texas A and M. You know, he's talked about more than anybody, Arkansas he will continually bring that up about look at that program. Look at how they can recruit. Look at what they have yeah. on the roster. And I found it funny, you know, because last year when we were going through this, you know, Tennessee gets hot. and But he, he continually brought up the Razorbacks over and over again. And it's funny, we had him on a week ago. And, Charlie, what did he talk about? Arkansas.
2: Yeah, I mean, the thing about Arkansas is, uh, I mean, they really become the, the model of consistency in that league. I mean, if you think about the – you know, you think about – for instance, you think about Florida, like Florida there for a while was the model of consistency. Yep. But, you know, Florida, you know, the last two years has gotten knocked out of their home regional, and one of the years they went 0-2 in one of those regionals. So, Florida is no longer that model. Arkansas is that model. I mean, they're a team that, that year in and year out, no matter who they lose, uh, whether it's injuries or draft like they are in the Omaha discussion or or they're getting to Omaha. And so, uh, I mean, I I see why he brings them up because even this year, when you look at those guys overall, you know, we talked about Grant Taylor's injury, but, you know, they're going to lose. They lost their Friday night starter in Jackson Wiggins. And I can tell you right now, look at the end of the season, they might have question marks, but I can tell you right now, we can fast forward into the season and they will once again be in that discussion. They just created a culture to where no matter what happens in that in that program, like their players believe that they're you know championship caliber, and it and it, and it shows.
0: Kendall, we've talked a lot about the SEC, but I gotta ask a question about my alma mater, uh, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Kendall. They made their return to the postseason <laughs> last year. I, I it was so exciting to see them back in the regional play, obviously at College Station. Uh, but they're trying to defend their Sun Belt title this upcoming year. And but the Sun Belts getting better. They introduce Southern Miss, Old Dominion. They're yeah. bringing in these new programs. Do you, what do you think of, of the Cajuns' prospects of potentially defending their Sun Belt championship?
2: Yeah, I mean, number one, the Sun Belts are going to be a great league. I mean, I think if you look at college baseball leagues around the country, uh, other than the ACC and the SEC and the Big Twelve, the Sun Belt might be the one for me. I mean, I just think. With that, those additions, you know, Southern Miss has it rolling right now. You know, speaking of teams outside the top five that I can easily see, in Omaha and making a run. Keep an eye on those guys and your Louisiana boy Tanner Hall. Yeah. But uh, I love, love the makeup of the Sun Belt right now. It's, it's a lot of programs that really care about college baseball. Uh, but as it, as it pertains to Louisiana, uh, I really like their club in, in the fall. I mean, it, it was unfortunate they had to face LSU that day because LSU was on fire. But I really, really like this club. I think, you know, pitching-wise, they do have some question marks. I think they need guys like Jake and They need guys like Carson Fluno to really step up for them. I, I did like them uh, in the scrimmage, but they're going to have to be elite for them to make a run to Omaha. But uh, offensively, there's no doubt in my mind this is Omaha caliber club. I mean, I think, you know, uh, you know Kyle DeBarge for me up the middle is about as close to Blake Trahan. Uh, is, is you can really get. Uh, he's going to be a top pick in a couple of years. I really, really like him. You know Carson Rocker forty is one of the best players in college baseball. Uh, in the outfield, Julian Brock behind the plates, as good as anybody in the country back there. He's also a powerful hitter, and you just go run the diamond. I mean, it's like a it's just like a laundry list of really good players. Heath Hoods are just a really nice player. Will Vayon, uh, if you remember back in, in the College Station Regional last year, played really well. And so I think Matt finally – I think the Cajuns finally, for the first time in years, have an offensive look that you go, okay, that, that, that is the Matt Deggs type of offense that was the reason why this program, you know, did win 50-plus games one year. I, I still maintain that was one of the best teams I've ever seen not get to Omaha. I went to that Super against Ole Miss, and, God, man, I love that team. This team, I think, can be that offensively. Pitching is where I'm, I have my questions. But uh, there's no doubt they're a postseason team for me.
1: Uh, Kendall, I have a friend of mine who texts me about asking about Ole Miss and their chances in the SEC and maybe making it back to Omaha.
2: Yeah, they're going to be good again. I mean, I, I think when you look at Ole Miss overall, clearly losing Tim Elko and Kevin Graham's is going to hurt. I mean, you look yeah. at the, just the veteran leadership they provided. That was huge. But I think when you look at the mound, you know, with guys like, uh, you know, Xavier Rivas, you look at Grayson Sonier, uh, a talented addition for them, one of the best freshmen in college baseball this year. And then Hunter Elliott, you know, we think back to the Ole Misses run last year, and you think about the, the different heroes they have. Yeah, it was uh, every night was team. somebody
1: different, right?
2: No, exactly. Yeah. But, you know, Hunter Elliott, uh, who I kind of call Doug Nikhazy 2.0, he looks just like Doug Nikhazy <laughs> from a couple of years ago at Ole Miss. You know, he was outstanding in Omaha, and I think for Ole Miss to, to finish top five like we have them, he needs to have a big year. I think he will. I think you'll see Jacob Gonzalez, uh, you know, hit well over where he hit last year. I think he hit around 270 with premium power. But I think he's more of a 330 and 340 hitter this year. And keep an eye on Kemp Alderman. I think he's a guy for me when I look at Ole Miss that I go, you know what, I think he's going to take a big step forward offensively. Keep an eye on him.
1: Kendall, thanks so much for joining us tonight. You got it, we, brother. We'll, t- re- we'll see you soon. Really appreciate it, we'll have you back, brother, because we have a lot of LSU baseball to talk about. Man, when they're going to lose that first midweek oh, game. Boy. Man, we're going to get wait, – wait, wait, How can they lose a Wednesday game or a yeah, Tuesday the game? They oh, don't understand God. baseball.
2: Yeah, like I said, LSU fans, be patient. It's a long season.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Kendall. Appreciate it, buddy. Thanks, guys. All righty. Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball. And, uh, man, high hopes for the Tigers and everywhere you go, Charlie. I don't care where I'm at. Man, I can't wait for LSU baseball to start. And so uh, you're going to get it tomorrow. There's no
0: way they're not. Incredible, right? Uh, I mean, come on. It's, the roster is unbelievable. Jay Johnson's a really good coach. Wes Johnson's a great pitching coach. The pieces are in place. Yeah, like,
1: like I told him last week, man, uh, you came in. I have a friend of mine who scouts baseball in California. He told me he's the Steve Spurrier of college uh, baseball. I so said, you got to win those championships mm-hmm. like Spurrier did in Florida. And he said, I'll do my best. And he took that as a big-time compliment. We'll be back with more sports talk here on the Big 870 right after this break.